Welcome to the Bridge Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message from our equipping pastor, Dennis Kozlov. To access other resources or to find out more information about our church, visit thebridgespringfield.com or find us on social media at The Bridge Springfield. Good morning, church. He stole my thunder. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Oh, man. Hallelujah. I don't know what's going to happen today, just like Wes said. Because I usually, uh, (laughs) I take my job seriously. I prepare for my messages. I usually halfway there by Wednesday, and on Thursday we have a dry run. We have a panel of people, and whoever is preaching presents whatever they have, and they receive a feedback, a critique, not a criticism, critique, like, oh, this was great. That worked for me. I didn't quite understand what you meant by that. Wonderful thing. I keep recommending it to pastors that I know, and they don't do it. I don't know why. Like, you, you got to have a teachable spirit to do that. But, so I've done it last Thursday, and it wasn't great, which is fine because it's often the case because we want the great to come on Sunday. And I thought by Saturday it'll be fine. Tomorrow, I mean, yesterday, 11 p.m., I'm still struggling to get that thing refined and focused and crystallized, and the Lord wouldn't let me. And, like, I hate those moments. The good thing he doesn't do it often to me. But, like, okay, Lord. So I, I totally dump, dumped my message that I prepared last night. And the Lord led me to, to, to go in a different direction. And it's so unrefined and not ready. So, guys, you have to exercise a lot of grace to me and a lot of forgiveness. I got a general idea. I got a general direction. I, I'm going to try to do that. And it's still... Part of the same series, Reigning in Grace. We're doing this wonderful, amazing series, Reigning in Grace. And we use this phrase from the key verse, Romans 5, 17. It says that the death came and corruption came into this world and began to reign and dominate everything through one man's trespass, through Adam. It penetrated every corner of our being. Yet when Jesus came, everything was turned around. The time has changed. The future kingdom that is yet to come has come. And the king has come. And he brought life and incorruptibility and put it right into our spirit. Our sins have been forgiven. Dennis, stop preaching ahead of yourself. Okay. Uh, so, and Paul said in 517 of Romans, he says, so if you begin to get this revelation, you begin to reign in grace in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. You stop living like the rest of the world under the dominion of corruption and death. You begin to live a different kind of life that has been put inside of you. Isn't that a good news, guys? All right, and we're learning how to move that because God is not happy just to set you free from your sin and addiction and a mindset that uh, makes you suffer and makes you inflict suffering on other people. He wants more for you. He wants you to become a king. King is a prerogative of uh, reigning is a prerogative of kings. So we're talking about kingship and 
hopefully by the end of this series, we will get to the point where we're at least familiar and it's not a foreign concept to us. And we would agree and we would say, amen, Lord. I don't know how to do that, but at least I recognize from the scripture that that's your design for me. You want me to reign. Are you getting there? Is this, message, is this series helping you to get there? How come you're not inviting your friends to the church? Just kidding. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> well, anyway, those who watch online, I bless you guys. I bless you too. Oh, gosh. God is here right now. Man. Uh, okay. So what is reigning? Reigning is a destiny of kings. Reigning is the process of establishing and expanding the kingdom. What is Kingdom. Kingdom is a specific realm where the will and the character of the king is fully expressed. And we are called to become kings, not to build our own kingdom, but the kingdom of God. We are co-kings, all right? We're not, this, this is not a series of messages to bolster your ego. Actually, if you start getting what I'm trying to tell you, your ego will start shrinking. It's an ego deflating, ego decreasing message. Because you're not building your kingdom. You're building the kingdom of the one true king. Man, this is awesome. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth here in Springfield where I live as it is in heaven. That's the prayer. Do you believe in this prayer? When you begin to believe in this prayer, that's when the kingdom begins to come. That's when you begin to reign in your life. Gosh, I'm yelling at you. Man. So... <laughs> We're called to be co-kings, to build his kingdom, to seek and establish his will and to express his character. You cannot do that if you don't know him. You cannot do that if you don't know his character. You actually, you're doomed to express the deity that you worship. That's a concept that Jewish people understood very well. They said, if you people worship idols and idols is a false image of God, you begin to express in your life the qualities of this image. So if you believe in the stern judging God, that's what you express. If you believe in a stingy God who is very frugal and doesn't share easily that's what you're going to express well you understand that right so look at yourself and understand what kind of god do you believe yesterday i was driving and i said i was praying in my car and i i was praying you know car is a wonderful place to pray right that's a privacy place nobody cares and I drive and I started praying, Lord, help me to see Jesus in everything I experience through the day, through my week. Help me to see Jesus in my 
spiritual meditations and prayer but also in my circumstances and the way I walk <laughs> and I was driving down the villa road and all of a sudden empty road this guy is walking in sandals with a long beard with a long hair with a t-shirt and a jeans shorts and he he looked right into my eyes I go like wow and I started laughing you know I, I of course I understand that's probably wasn't Jesus but it was Jesus for me at that moment Whoa, it was like, I just prayed, and I saw Jesus looking into me, and he was walking in Springfield. Anyway, it's a distraction. I told you I have no clue what I'm going to speak. No, I do. I, I have a general idea. So let's, so to understand the kingship and kingdom, you really need to look at the scripture to see the concept of what the kingdom is. And what does the Bible say about kings? The Bible has a long list of many kings, but only one king, only one king became an example of kingship that had the seal of approval from God himself. Who am I talking about? No, before Jesus. David. David. I feel like I'm talking to kids in the Sunday school. <laughs> Jesus. Usually, it's, this, this is the right answer. And ultimately, ultimately, it is the right answer. Jesus is. And even David. But David was the first king that God testified himself. And said, like, this is the man after my own heart. And this is the title of my message today. A man after my, after God's, well, yeah, a person after God's heart. I didn't want to say man because a person. A man, a woman, a girl, a boy, a teenager. You can be a person after God's heart, and that's how you become a king, actually. Let's look into that. This phrase, I'm not going to quote the scriptures. This phrase is actually quoted twice, once in Old Testament, once in the New Testament. First Samuel, for those of you who take notes, 1 Samuel 13, 14, and Acts 13, 22. 1 Samuel 13, 14, and the book of Acts 13, 22 specific phrase so I suggest we cannot properly understand what the kingship and the reigning after God's heart which is in accordance with God's heart without looking at David how David exercised his kingship are you ready to look into David a little bit I believe we can see the secret of life that is full of joy unspeakable and full of glory all right, that's the phrase I remember today from a song. Okay, let's look at the David, at the King David, at, at David. The paradox is, the, the, have you watched um, Forrest Gump? I love that show. I watched it like, I don't know, seven times. The, 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 the cool thing in that movie, I don't know if you noticed that or not, like, but there are a lot of characters in this show, but the central guy is not very smart. And he's very simple-hearted, and he's very kind, actually. And he's not very smart, and he knows that, and he's okay with that. And everybody else is smart, or trying to be smart, and they're pursuing their goals, and their ideas, and their ideals, and their whatever. Like his girlfriend that he loves, she tries to become like a famous singer. The, at the end of the day, somehow, <laughs> paradoxically, Nobody gets what they're seeking for, but they, they get their life destroyed. But he who is not really seeking for those things, getting all of them. Did you notice that? That was crazy. That's actually very true. 
about people who walk with God. They don't seek for things that most people seek in this world, but they get them. They don't seek for them. They get them. That was David. The paradox was he didn't seek greatness. He became great. He didn't, seek success, he didn't seek success. He became successful. He didn't want to be famous. He became probably one of the, the most famous person in the history of the world. He became one of the most famous. Uh, he knew the move of God's spirit. He didn't try to be spiritual, but he knew God's spirit very well. Uh, he did not try to become a prophet. He became a powerful prophet. His psalms actually convey to us prophecies about Christ and details about how Jesus felt at certain moments of his life that are not even communicated in the Gospels. Do you realize that? He spoke of the cross of Christ centuries ago before the crucifixion was a thing. That's a prophet. He was a worship leader. He was most extravagant worshiper. And he was true architect of the most magnificent temple ever built to God. You would say, no, Solomon built it. No. Do you know that David invented Ikea? <laughs> Seriously. David's heart was so much after God, and he finally, what God gave him peace, and he, he finally overcame and subdued all of his enemies. He built this beautiful palace for himself, but his heart was actually aching. He said, like, I feel so bad because the God that loves me so much and that I love so much, he lives in that little tent. I don't want that to happen. It's either me moving into tent again or him moving into his house that I want to build for him. And God said, David, I can't, you shouldn't have. I mean, it's, come on, David. Are you kidding? I mean, do you think I really live in this little tent? But okay, I understand your heart. I wish I could let you. I'm not going to. That's a great idea. I'll let you prepare the blueprints and all the materials and your son will put it together. That's Ikea. <laughs> so they just stole it from the Bibles, those Swedish guys. So anyway, I just like, how in the world did Forrest Gump got to the place at the end of the movie? He was talking to Jesus actually. <laughs> How in the world did David get into this place when he got all these things that he didn't seek? He was talking to Jesus. Seriously. Do you believe me? All right. Good. <laughs> then I can continue. So, uh, here's what I want to tell you guys. Among the old characters of the Old Covenant, Old Testament, there are two guys that really stick out. One, first one is Abraham. The second one is David. And David became an exemplary king. So much so that actually the throne of Jesus today is called the throne of David. And Jesus himself said, the key of David has been given to me. And when the gospel is preached, Paul is preaching the gospel. He said, according to the spirit, he is the eternal son of God. According to the flesh, he is the descendant of King David. You are here today. You are subjects of the throne of David. Hey, hello. Do you know that? You're not Israelites. You don't have Israeli citizenship. But if you're a Christian... You actually pledged an allegiance to the king who is sitting on the throne of David. 
Well, anyway, I talk too much about David, but that's what my plan today. So, so guys, I'm trying to communicate you one thing. Even in the middle of the Old Testament, before the fullness of the revelation of God's character, God's, disp- uh, God's uh, inclination, God's disposition, God's heart, before that happened, when did it happen? Through Jesus Christ. Before Jesus came, David got the revelation of God's grace and his mercy, and he put it into practice in his life. And he became a magnet for God's goodness. Here's the good news, guys. It's available to you today. You can absolutely become a magnet of God's goodness and His His grace and His mercy. All the good gifts that God has. Can I hear an amen to that? All right. So, New Testament, point blank, straightforward says, how do you reign in life? You learn to receive, listen, abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Basically, you learn to receive God's heart, which is full of grace. And the first thing that comes as a gift of grace is the gift of righteousness. And believe it or not, somehow David saw that and he got hold of that. And he applied it to his life and to his heart. Even under old covenant, without, uh, without open revelation about it. So let's look at some of the things in David's life. And I'm going to get excited, guys, because when I read verses like that, I get excited. So get ready for me to be excited. <laughs> All right. Psalm 103. Let's look what David, uh, what David expressed in his Psalms. And I'm so grateful for the book of Psalms. If you want to learn from a spiritual giant, go to Psalms. Meditate on Psalms. Pray using words of Psalms. Stay in one or two lines from Psalms until you internalize it in your heart and you you begin to experience the same thing. And that's what David says in the middle of the Old Covenant when he doesn't know supposedly about Jesus yet. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Why? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives you who forgives all your iniquity who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with a steadfast love and mercy dude david where in the world did you find god like that who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He acts his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious. The Lord is merciful and gracious. You want to know what God I worship? I worship merciful and gracious God, he says. Whoa. Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, chide, uh, nor will he keep his anger forever. He says, 
You can receive reprimand from the Lord, but it's nothing compared to his heart poured out upon you. Is that your experience today? Dude, oh man, oh man. David. And he, here comes the crunch verse. This, this is like tells me that David knew. David knew the revelation of the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. He says, he does not deal with us according to our sins. He does not deal with us according to our sins. The guy from the Bronze Age speaks confidently as an absolute truth. And we, people living in the 21st century, having the New Testament, until today, a lot of Christians don't believe this. They still keep looking at themselves, keep looking at their sins. And he says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Fearing him means worshiping him. Focusing your heart, recomposing yourself on Him. He said, as soon as you do that, you're going to experience God's great mercy, kindness, loving kindness, His true character. His true. Is that your experience today? It should be. The goal of our church, we, we, we called ourselves, we changed our name, we called ourselves The Bridge. That's the place we're trying to transition people to. I don't care whether you're Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, whatever things you believe, believe it as much as you want, as long as you experience these, guys. I want you, I want me, I want every one of us to experience this in our private life. Because this will take you to the place of kingship. All right? Okay. As far as the east from the west so far... So far does he remo remove our transgressions from us. As far as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. I'll read a few more passages from his Psalms, but his Psalms are full of lines like that. Psalms 51, 1, 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. You see, David knew the secret. He prayed prayers like that because he, he didn't guess. He had a firm expectation that this prayer is going to be answered. He didn't guess, maybe God will forgive me. He said, no, God, forgive me because I know who you are. I know my sin, but I know that you don't judge me by my sin. You deal with me not according to what I do, but according to what your heart is. Hello. Old Testament guy reigning like this. Hey, we got to become Forrest Gumps. <laughs> Seriously. We got to stop being sophisticated and refined and very educated. We got to be simple like child who receives loving kindness of his father. Religion is a... Thank you. I don't have to say that from the pulpit so much. <laughs> because religion takes it away from you guys. Faith in Christ does. Gives it to you. It instills it in you. All right. 
And he continues to pray, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Yes, they are mine. I've done them. They come from out of my heart somehow. I hate that. I wish it wouldn't have happened, but it keeps happening. Blot it out according to your heart. And the Lord answered. And he knew. And his heart got clean. And he started jumping and dancing and singing like crazy man. Like crazy man. That's not you when we worship. But it's you deep, deep, deep inside. You want to be free. You want to be able to do that. You want to be like David. Come on. Man. And he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Oh. Hey, listen, buddy. He answered David's prayer, not just for him, but for you. The gospel is an answer to this prayer. Hello. He blotted out your transgressions. He washed you thoroughly from your iniquity and cleansed you from your sin. Hello. Now you're free to worship for real. To dance, to shout, to yell, to flap on the floor, to sit and meditate, whatever. Have your spirit rush through you. Because there's no more distance. There's no more separation. Blot it out. Not according to what we've done, but according to what he has done in his heart before eternity began. Whoa. He wanted you to be in his heart. Well, anyway, Dennis, calm down. Psalm 86, for you, Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in a steadfast love to all, to all, to all who call upon your name. You know what it means? Forrest Gump was very special. David was very special. You can be very special because everyone in your part of that who calls on the name of the Lord, receives all of that. Hello. Hello. I'm going to wake you up. Do I need to come and slap you to wake you up? I won't. Don't worry. I'll be sued. I know it's America. Everybody sues each other. You're bounding in a steadfast love. And then David said, you know, guys, a blessed is a man whose sins are forgiven by the Lord. Blessed is he. Blessed is he. You know this blessed? In Greek, it's translated as makarios. And that means the highest degree of uh, ecstasy. You become ecstatic. And David was just that. Old covenant person. Guys, we have no excuse. In the New Testament, when the blood of Christ has been shed, when the straightforward revelation of your righteousness has been announced. We have no excuses to live subpar. All right? Yeah. So the revelation that David had. And listen, how does revelation come into your life? It comes always as a seed. I told you last time, and I, I, I said it many times, and I'll say it again. You know, the seed is a small, tiny thing that has all the reality compressed in a very small form, but it's had, it has all the reality. 
So I believe that David received somehow, I don't know how, he got hold of this seed when he was a little child. Because when he was originally called by God and chosen by God, he was a kid. If you read his story, he was a kid. We have some kids sitting there. It's like right there, right there. You know, God sees their hearts right now. And he may be saying, I chose them because I see their hearts. David, when he was a little kid, when nobody took him seriously, he already had a heart that God paid attention to. Come on. If you guys, if you have received a single seed, you can grow it. You can grow it. David got hold of this seed, planted it into his soil of his heart. And not just a tree grew up, a beautiful grove of mighty trees. And he lived there. He didn't live before people. He lived in his holy grove of God's love. Under the shade of God's presence. This was more real to him than anything else. Hello. Oh my goodness. This is available to us guys. In a higher degree. This is the revelation that David had. You and I, we have no excuses to live so far. You and I, we have fullness of the revelation of the grace of God manifested fully and completely in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Guys, many of you think that the idea that we just look at Jesus and imitate Him is a good idea. Yes, there is a, there is a benefit for that. But that's, you need to see that He actually has done the work that united you forever with God. It's no longer on you to connect to God. What's on you is to stay connected. And you stay connected by just paying attention. By just, just turning your heart to God. And re recognizing that there's no separation. And you receive all the fullness of God. Okay. So how did he practice this revelation that has grown into such a big picture and reality in his life? I'll tell you how. He prayed a lot. He cried a lot. He shed a lot of tears before God. He laughed a lot. He danced a lot. He sang a lot. He talked a lot. He kept quiet a lot. He did a lot of things with God. Not religiously trying to qualify himself to receive something from God like this crap is being preached all over America. No. He actually did that to receive. He knew that what qualifies him, not what he does, but the heart of God. Do you hear it? Have that shift happened in your mind yet? It's happening. I know it's happening. It's happening here. I know. It's not fully shifted yet. There's a lot of shreds of religion in my mind. Simple test. Fear and anxiety. How prevalent they are in your life. If they are, you haven't fully trusted that goodness of God yet. It's not a condemnation. It's not a guilt. It just a diagnosis. That means you need to have some radiation therapy. You need to come to the place when the concentrated radiance of God's glory is, and that's Jesus Christ. And stay there until all these tumors fall out.
Unlike the first king Saul, David's walk and his relationship before God were more important to him than his relationship with people and his walk before them. Is it worth saying it again? Unlike the first king Saul, David's walk and his relationship before God were more important to him than his relationship and his walk before people. He was persecuted, he was betrayed, he was criticized, he was hunted for, he was turned against by his friends, his allies, his enemies. He was killed almost many, many, many times. He wasn't perfect, he has done a lot of bad things. But he never left this place of interaction with the loving God in his life. He did not build his kingdom. Believe it or not, he was not building his kingdom. He knew that the true king was the Lord, whom he knew personally as the God of grace and love, loving, caring father, good shepherd, only true king. One more time, I'll ask the question, how did he put into practice? Let's look at one story that will show you something about David. I call it, I don't care anointing. We need, we, all of us, we need to get free from anxieties about people's opinions about us. We need to get free from desire and search for validation from people. It's a trap that will keep you down. It will not let you come to the higher place of reigning and grace. Okay, let's look at Samuel chapter 6 verses 12 and 23. It's a very good example of how David... That's why I say boldly that religion is crap. What religion does, they take stories like that and they turn them into nice polished pictures of people that never existed. Like Psalms of David would be, some kind of chance. David was not doing chance. if you look at this picture. Let's see what David did. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed Edom's household. The story, the background of the story, remember he cared for what God is and what God does and where God is. And he cared for the temple and for the tent of the gathering. He, he really cared for the article, the centerpiece of God's tabernacle that was an Ark of the Covenant. And it was supposed to be at Zion. It was supposed to be in Jerusalem. And it wasn't. So David really wanted to bring it for the sake of God that he loved. And Finally, they told him, oh, don't be afraid of the ark. It's not killing people. It's actually blessing people now. Oh, great. So he said, let's move it to Jerusalem. And for David, it was a great reason to celebrate. Let's read the story. He says, so David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps... David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf every six steps. Let's, let's try it. Let's experiment. One, they're carrying, the, the priests are carrying the, the ark, four of them. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's pretty much this. Stop! Put down the ark. Sacrifice. A bull goes. Uh, sla slaughtered and something else blood all over the place 
Pick it up. Let's go on. Another six steps. Six steps. Stop! And it wasn't like, oh, it was celebration. It's a celebration. Let's read it. So David, uh, and verse 14, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment, very simple garment from linen, made of linen. Uh, so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing of ram's horns. Shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. I, I'm glad that in our church, at least every once in a while, we can hear the shouts of joy. All right? So, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, the daughter of Saul looked down from the window. Here's the story. She was David's wife. She was a princess. She was a daughter of the previous king that was rejected by God for not being a person after God's heart. He, his main problem, Saul's main problem was exactly what I told you. He cared too much what people think of him. That's why immediately when God told him, no compromise, do as I say, he immediately started figuring out how it's going to play out for him. And he came to a conclusion that God's idea is not the best. His idea is the best. It's a compromise between what God wants and between what I want. I'm building my kingdom. You see the difference? David never took this role seriously. He said, true king is him. I'm just a co-king. I'm just doing what he wants to do. So this, this lady, this wife of his, this, this uh, princess, she said, <clears throat> but as the Lord, but as the ark of the Lord, oh, where, where am I? Yeah, verse 16, thank you. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the special tent David and the, uh, David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of, of dates, and a cake of raisins. He said, guys, let's all celebrate. The entire country gets to, you know, gets to celebrate. Then all the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, you see... He didn't make himself special. He, he said, this is the people of God. God put me to, to be a leader over the people of God. If we worship, people of God worship. If we celebrate, all people of God celebrate. I'm not special. Yes, in a sense, I am above people because I'm leading them. But, but I'm part of the people of God. That was his heart. So he came to do the same thing to his own family, to include them in his celebration. Uh, returned to his home to bless his own family. Michal, the daughter of Saul, that lady, came out to meet him. And she said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. Do you see how much she was concerned 
for her reputation and name and her position and how she looked in people's eyes. How much she was concerned how their family would look like in people's eyes. And she was so disturbed by what David was doing worshiping God. She did not like it a bit. She said, you should have gone to a better church. <laughs> More dignified. Where preachers wear ties. And people sleep peacefully. <laughs> that would be so much more conducive to maintaining our dignity. And David responded to her. She said, I mean, he said, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and his family. He appointed me as a leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls that you're so concerned with, that you mentioned, will indeed think I'm distinguished. Hello. It's okay to be Jesus freak. It's so good to be Jesus freak. Here's how he put it into practice. He allowed the revelation of God's grace to set him free from the fear of man and from the fear of people's opinions and judgments, from man's pleasing spirit. He interacted with God in prayer, meditation, worship, and in everything he did, he did not use a remote controller for God or for people. I brought this thing here. When Jesus talked to his disciples, he said, beware of the leaven. You know what leaven is? Yeast. Beware of the leaven of Pharisees and Herod. What is it? Leaven of Pharisees is hypocrisy. What hypocrisy is? You are trying to impress people with how cool and spiritual you are. You're trying to impress people. You walk before people. You're trying to impress people. What is the leaven of Herod is? It's trying to manipulate people. It's, it's, it's a heart of a, being a politician. Here's the amazing thing about David. He was free from leaven of Pharisees and Herod. He was in the middle of religious society. He was not religious a, a bit. You can see that. He was covered with sweat and blood, and he was dancing drunk with joy. And that bothered religious folks. He was in the middle of politics, and he did not have this temptation to schmooze around and to make people, to play people. I call it a remote control. You know, guys, I'll be honest with you. We all have that leaven in us. We do. And the way to, to be set free is to receive the full revelation of God's goodness and begin to practice it by worshiping Him and receiving all the goodness that He gives. And then you will be set free from being controlled by people. But it comes at a price tag. Your price tag, you will have to destroy your own remote. The first thing you learn is you stop trying to control people and events around you. You begin to trust the Lord. You know, there are many buttons here, and you, we, we become pros by the end of our life. 
We know the button guilt, we know the button shame, we know the button intimidation, we know the button withholding love, uh, women know the button uh, withholding sex, uh, you know. All kinds of buttons are there to, to make things happen the way you want. Well, am I saying lie? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to pray, guys, that we would become like David. We would learn our God is a good God who doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He blotted out our sins and He deals with us, with us according to His heart. And His heart is to give all the good gifts that He has. He's not a stingy and frugal God. But in order to be able to receive it and to become free, you need to destroy that thing in your life. No more controlling. Stop trying to control people. Stop trying to control God. And refuse to be controlled by others, by their opinions, by their disapproval or lack of validation. Receive your validation from the Lord and become a crazy lover of Jesus like David was. So as we worship, I begin, some of you will interact with the Lord and this thing will happen. I, I thought I'm going to try to destroy it. Are you okay with this? This is Samsung. Maybe they're well built. I don't know. So I'll do it as, as a prophetic act, I think. I've never done it, so I'll try. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Lord, give us spirit of wisdom to, and revelation to receive the ultimate, ultimate revelation of your grace and mercy. Lord, we are in a better position than David. Lord, open our eyes to see how you deal with us according to your heart. Lord, show us that you're not double-minded about us, that your mind is set, your heart is set about us. You love us. You include us. You long for us to draw near to you, to come into your presence, and to receive the abundance of grace. Lord, and right now I pray we would be able to recognize every time we're pulling out this control, remote controller, when we are driven by intimidation and fear and we don't trust you. We think we need to schmooze around. We think we need to make people, help people make certain decisions or do this or that. Lord, Lord, teach us to open our hearts and trust you. And right now I'm going to destroy that thing. And I pray as I destroy that thing, a lot of you will receive freedom from controlling spirit in your life. I don't know. Shall I? No, I don't think I can break it like this. I think I should use this table. In Jesus' name, well, beware of flying batteries. Good. I may break the table. Who cares? Wes wants to buy a new one. Gosh, that thing is hard to break. <laughs> Dennis, you should let George try to break it with his hands. Oh, yeah. Okay, George, show us what you got. Maybe it's a prophetic picture how, how difficult it is to get rid of the control in our life. <laughs> Yes! <laughs> Worship and freedom now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you received a fresh revelation of the gospel of grace and that you experience the goodness of God in your everyday life. For more content like this or to stream our services live, visit thebridgespringfield.com. Have an awesome week.